Welcome to another episode of Wearing the Folk. Today I'm joined by Mr. Tully up there in northern Cincinnati. Wait, no, Kentucky. And I am Cecil today, as always. And we're missing Reed today. I don't know if anybody's heard about this new fad that's going around in the Middle East. It's called clinking. And what they do is when they uh, wreck the boner, they grab it by the shaft and turn it all the way to the side, and it makes a clicking sound. What are you talking about? And what are you talking about? Man? And what this does is it represses the erection. Well, Reed has been getting into this quite a bit recently, and he um, overextended. So that's why he's not here today. Too much info. <laughs> Too much info. I like to keep everybody in the know. Uh, I'd like to get started um, by saying that I've recently purchased a couple books. Um, one of them is called The Dive Manual by Mr. Anthony Taylor. He was a recent guest on our Tyler. Tyler, Anthony. I was Tyler. about to say, uh, you're you're the worst namesayer uh, in the world. But it's Anthony Tyler, and we do enjoy Anthony. He is a great person to speak with, and I've got to read about 20 pages so far. And it's pretty good book book so far. I suggest going on to Amazon and buying it. And I finally mustered up the money to purchase our favorite person, one of our favorite people in the world, Hadley Thorne's books, which I've got Tapestry of Worlds. Part. We can put we can put links in the description for all of these books, can't we? Yeah, we'll put links in the description. And we got Tapestry of Worlds running and gunning right here as well. Uh, the links will be in the description. And as you can see, I'm wearing a dope-ass weird reality shirt. <laughs> and I've got some a dope-ass weird reality sticker right here. You can get those at Redbubble. And you can find all her links and everything at Linktree. Hadley Thorne, I believe it is. And weird realities, too. Uh, we have no merchandise, so you're good on that. <laughs> 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 Not yet, anyway. Nothing to sell Nothing except to our uh, information. Yeah, I've got somebody um, editing my book right now, so we'll see what happens there. I might release it. I might not. Is it your alternate personality? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an autobiography about my life if things have went sideways. <laughs> um, so I, I did want to plug in the spirit of what we're going to be talking about today, I wore my Night Callers Bigfoot radio hat. It's got the American flag on camo mm. with uh, the orange. That's and what? That's tasteful. You can wear that to the Olive Garden. <clears throat> you could. You could. <laughs> and for anyone that hasn't watched that episode with Lauren Smith, she is a Bigfoot expert and researcher. Um, she's always on the hunt either for Bigfoot himself or information. She's talked to tons of people from the Discovery Channel, History Channel, um, all the people you've seen on TV talking about Bigfoot. She's talked to them, um, or the vast majority. But you can go to notcallersproductions.com. And it's N-I-T-E, callersproductions.com. And it's got all of her info. It's got links to her YouTube, her buy me a coffee. It's got all of her merch, tons of merch. 
but Lauren's good people and her interviews are very thorough. So if you're interested in getting to the ultimate Bigfoot truth, please check out her channel. And Weird Realities also has channels. Um, they're on audio-only platforms and YouTube. Um, I'm, me and Tully was recently on a Watching Weird, and, I, and I, I'm not going to lie. I work early, so I go to bed early. But the other night, they had a Watching Weird, and I had to stay up and watch it live. They do it mostly on Thursdays. Check that out. Um, they brought us up, and we made fun of Tully a little bit. <laughs> well, dude... <laughs> dude i'm never gonna get that hour and a half back one of the one of the three movies we watched was the worst movie i've ever seen in my life so you need to go watch that episode that we did with them it was awesome and um and uh i am gonna buy jeff and alan's books and scott and everybody i'm just poor it will be coming soon (laughs) and i suggest you all go buy them too geez we're gonna get into a tale today we had a guest lined up, but um, they're probably going through a lot, so we so we wasn't able to get him actually on today. Hopefully, he'll come soon. Anyway, today we're talking about where in the folk are we talking about today, Tully? Do you know? Do you have any indication? The <laughs> legend of the battle of the Ape Canyon. Ape Canyon. Ape Canyon is a gorge along the plains of Abraham on the southeast edge of uh, Mount St. Helens in the state of Washington. At one point, this gorge narrows to as close as to eight feet, which um, my fat ass could not fit through that. That's one gorge I couldn't walk through. You're not eight feet wide. I'm close. (laughs) (laughs) This is a shack chair, by the way. I had to get one of the big boy chairs. (laughs) So in 1980, Ape Canyon was heavily impacted by the eruption of Mount St. Helens, which is adjacent to a steep rocky canyon. The the area is real popular amongst hikers and mountain bikers. And on the south edge of the mountain is another feature that people love to explore. It's called Ape Cave. It's a long, long lava tube. It's the longest map in North America, apparently. I think it's somewhere like 2.4 miles they mapped of it. I can't remember the exact numbers of it. I wonder how lava tubes, I mean, how that's even possible. I assume that there are these giant worms that live in lava that eat their way through the earth, leaving behind a worm tunnel. Yeah, I'm I'm looking it up. Do you think that's what it is? I think that's what it is. That makes sense to me because, I mean, if if it's a long lava tube, worms leave little tubes when they cut through the earth. So, so this is this is saying that basically, what? Well, that doesn't make much sense either. Yeah, none of this makes any sense because <laughs> it's saying like that the flow of the lava itself creates those. Yeah, but they somehow don't have lava in them for the most part. It doesn't make any sense. No, because when lava hardens, it turns into a rock. So, But when they first found that cave, apparently somebody, that tube rather, they, um, somebody found a tree that was kind of leaning, and it was like, why is that tree leaning? And apparently a part of it had caved in on it or whatever. 
Yeah, this, so this is a lava tube is a type of lava cave formed when a low viscosity lava flow develops a continuous and hard crust, which thickens and forms a roof above the still flowing lava stream. Okay. I think your worm, <laughs> your worm theory makes more sense than that. So you may be thinking to yourself, how did this place get the name Ape Canyon? Well, it all comes from a series of events that occurred in 1924. Now, in the early 20th century, you know, people were still on the hunt for riches, basically. I'm still on the hunt. I am too. Um, Only fans. (laughs) You can catch me every day. (laughs) But anyway, in July of 1924, a miner by the name of Fred Beck who was out of the who he was out in the wilds of of the St. Helens and Lewis River area in the southwest southwestern part of Washington. Fred was out with his party of about four people, you know, and what they were doing, they were working a gold claim that they'd set up before. It's called Vanderwatt was the name of the gold claim. They had begun prospecting the area for around six years. They've been prospecting that whole area. And every so often, the group would come across these unusual human footprints. Unusual in the sense that they were about 19 inches in length. And they were usually by creek beds and springs near deep, deep canyons. The thing, the thing that threw me off about this was I didn't know people were still like individually gold mining in the early 20th century. I thought all that burnout like in the mid 19th. No, I mean, it. It's still going on today. It's just a, the group of people that does it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Now, there was something about this day in July, though, that was a little bit different. On this trip, they still found the footprints, you know, but the prints were, you know, by this point, they were just like, I uh, found some more footprint. But on this particular day, the footprints were accompanied by strange noises. And so what did it, what did it sound like? The strange noises coming from, they came from the woods around their log cabin that they built, this little makeshaft cabin. And it was a peculiar sound, as they described it, that made the men very uneasy because by this point, they had already figured out what was going on. They heard, they've heard everything before. The sound was a shrill, peculiar whisper, like whistling, that seemed to come from multiple locations. And from what could be determined, the men there were at least two unseen things whistling back and forth from one ridge to another. And every so often the whistling would be joined by a large booming and thumping sound that made it even all more unsettling. So at this point, if you're these miners, what would you think? Um, <clears throat> I would probably call it a day. Yeah, I probably would too. And come back whenever there's not, crazy stuff going on now the the thought of large booming and thumping sounds i'm gonna go ahead and throw in some skepticism right now even though i'm not the skeptic it could have i mean this is washington state next to a volcano it could have easily been the gases gases and yeah i i can see that Mm -hmm. but one day, a miner by the presumed name of Hank traveled back to a nearby spring to get some water. Um, because of the sounds and everything, 
that they had occurred and you know everybody was already on edge because of the strange shit that they were hearing and the loud noises and everything they decided let's take our rifles just in case in 1924 i would say people probably had repeaters right yeah yeah they had repeaters by then i'd imagine well yeah i think they they definitely did i just i'm trying to think of like if i think about my grandma's dad who would have been an adult in 1924 well in the 20s they probably had i'm i think they already had fully autos by the 20s man yeah they did probably only for military use my my grandma's dad though they they lived in the country and they only had like single shot shotguns the the kind where the barrel falls and cracks in half you know what i mean yeah here's a sad here's a little side story (laughs) my great-grandfather um he lived in hancock tennessee that's where we derive from apparently the fletchers um and he the legend goes he either cheated at poker or was screwing somebody's wife or something and he got ambushed by these two boys all right uh his name was john fletcher he got ambushed by these two boys and they had you know revolvers on them he got shot in the chin they shot him in the head they shot him a couple other places and all he had was a single shot pistol but with that single shot pistol he managed to cripple one and killed the other one and the next day in the mail came his revolver they said if he would have had his revolver he would have lived he did live for like eight days but no gunshot wounds in 1919 i think it was i'm assuming he'd already had you said it was your great grandfather Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm assuming he'd already had your grandfather yeah yeah he already had my grandfather nick yeah (laughs) but um but yeah so so i think so yeah, they had repeaters because them boys killed him with a revolver in nineteen nineteen, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I know they existed. I'm just saying the average person was probably so poor then that they probably had single shot stuff. Yeah, probably. That's probably why he had that single <laughs> shot. That's probably why he got killed. I bet he won a lot of money in that card game and ordered himself a revolver. I bet you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Uh, so while on a, while out and about, uh, Beck heard Hank let out a yell that shook the mountains, and he raised his rifle. Now Beck recalls that in this instance he saw a hairy creature about a hundred yards away, on the other side of a little canyon, standing by a pine tree. And it dodged behind his pine tree and poked its head out from the side. At the same time, Hank took his first three shots at this creature. And apparently, Beck could see the bark flying at 100 yards. So not a single shot. Not a single shot, unless he's really good with bolt action. (laughs) So the bark was flying off the trees and everything. My issue with that is how did he see bark flying off a tree at 100 yards? Did he have just that good of eyesight? I don't know. If you think about a football field, you're standing at one goal line. You could probably see the some. You could probably see that. I don't know, man, because I've got my glasses on, and you're about 
six feet away on a computer screen and i, I can't see you <laughs> yeah but you're also legally blonde That's true <laughs> i'm close to it anyway <laughs> but anyway um it dodged behind the tree and so forth so beck shot at it now based on beck's memory of the creature it stood about seven feet tall with blackish brown hair and it briefly disappeared from sight but i've seen that son of a bitch running at the speed of lightning that's that's where i struggle a little bit because i think it's easier to see like something like uh like if you were to hit the dirt at 100 yards you could see it fly up Mm -hmm. but it's really hard to judge how tall something is at a at that kind of distance now i thought about that too and uh my conclusion was they went up and measured how high up on the tree he shot I'm assuming he's aiming for the head. I guess that's possible. Yeah. But they don't really clarify how he knew it was seven feet tall. <laughs> because by the time he determined it was about seven feet tall, it was running at a lightning speed on well, two legs. That's a little yards away. That's a little short for a Bigfoot. Yeah, seven feet. Uh, most, of, most of the accounts that I've heard is like between nine and 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And so at this point, you know, Hank and Beck, rightfully so, ran their asses off back to the cabin and informed the other men what happened. Now, this is where I think that it's true because a lot of people's like, we decided to stick it out. Not these fellows. They're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know why it took that, though. Like, what, as soon as I started hearing communication between, uh, ridges i'm gone dude and i'm coming back with everybody that i can get with a gun that's true the the thing about it is though the reason they didn't leave was because it was dark and as you can imagine the road would have been pretty shitty probably pretty pretty bad to get out of there so they decided to hold up in the cabin you know and just see what happens all right so after all the excitement they finally was able to go to sleep. However, they didn't get to sleep very long. When midnight was approaching, they were ro- they were woken by a huge thud against their wall, causing the whole structure to shake. You know something else <clears throat> that I'm thinking about? Usually in these sort of like scare stories, it's people encroaching on their turf. But these guys had been here a long time. And it's almost like they're being, they're the ones being advanced upon. You know what I mean? Well, up until this point in the story, the only thing that kind of scared them was the sound of whistling and loud sounds like thumping. Not anywhere near them, just they could hear it. So, and the creature was about a hundred yards away, not really doing anything, just looking at them. Yeah, but this said shot at it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I I get that, but they had been there for six years before this happened, and they found the footprints and everything. And, I, and to this point, what I'm thinking is probably going on is you know, usually when they're there, the creatures are probably just not real active. They're just getting shit done, going home. And this particular day, they's probably like, hey, let's let's go see what's happening, and they're just communicating back and forth because. If he wouldn't have t- taken them shots at it, would they? Would this have started to happen? 
would there have been a big thud against this cabin that knocked wood and loose and everything, you know? So after this commotion, this immediately alerted the men who jumped to grab their rifles. And as the men held their rifles tight and listened for the intent of the silence to follow the immersive reverberating sound. (laughs) 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 They, um, they they were basically just sitting in the corners like, Oh shit. What was that? You know, holding the guns. Um, the cabin had one flaw and I guess it, dude, if, if the whole cabin is shaking and wood falling everywhere after one hit, <laughs> it's got more than one flaw. Well, it depends on how strong the thing was, but the biggest flaw was it didn't have any windows, not a window one. So, and could you imagine how hot it would be in July in a windowless cabin? I'm sure back then, <laughs> I'm sure they were drinking a bunch of moonshine and a whiskey oh, yeah. to keep them... Uh, comfortable oh yeah it's definitely it's definitely a wild time so since the cabin didn't did not have any windows and going to look outside the door was a no-go because nobody wanted to open the door to check it out the men sat in fear at level that was right at 11 they cranked that shit up and it, it seemed like an eternity while they sat there with their weapons ready to blast anything that may come through the door being locked up in a dark space while no creatures lurking about put them all on a pretty big put them on the edge so the men sat for a while and there was no further disturbances they they breathe they take their breaths of relief and everything and began to relax and hope whatever it was just decide to leave them alone that was not the case however totally um all at once they started hearing trampling sounds outside like people just running around like heathens. Hank found a part in the wall where the chinkin had been knocked away and he was able to catch a glimpse outside. And at this point he saw three large dark shapes lumbering around from the sounds that were coming into the cabin from outside though. Everybody's like, there's more of them. I know there he is. They could have probably laid down at that point. Some suppressing. Yeah. Because if it if it's a big enough gap in the wood to to look out of, it's big enough to shoot out of. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just start firing wildly outside. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would. why not? Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting ready to start shooting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, at that point, they've already tried to knock the thing down. So. <laughs> so lighting them up. <laughs> But all at once, hell just broke loose. Rocks began banging off the side of the cabin. Rocks fell through the chimney. Loud booms against the wall. The sounds of large, heavy footsteps on the roof rang through the men's ears. At this point, I would imagine that it smelled pretty bad in there as everybody shit themselves. <laughs> but the men sprung into action. They fired their rifles I can only assume wildly into every direction as they shot through the door, the ceiling, the walls, the floor, anything they could shoot through. You know, I imagine they were all in a little circle, just bam, 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 just shooting everywhere. <laughs> it would concern me at how much ammo they have. Yeah. If you're going to do something like that, I feel like you'd take a bunch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I travel with like you know, 600 rounds. That ain't enough. 
That's enough. That ain't to it. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're going to camp out on a mountaintop to mine gold mm-hmm. for six months, you know, it, just the wildlife alone, outside of Bigfoot encounters, you would want to have protection. I don't think they went for six months. I think they just went a little bit at a time, really. You know sounds more than likely like they just went to have a little fun and see if they could find some gold (laughs) (laughs) now the attack continued for the rest of the night and at some point the creatures even managed to get an arm through one of the one of the places where the chinkin fell through now this is one of the bigger stories about it when it got its arm through there it managed to get a hold of one of the guy's axes he grabbed it by the handle and was pulling it back struggling sued like crazy as the creature tried to pull the axe outside of the cabin now the men the man being as bright as he was was like well i'll just turn this on a bitch this way can't pull it out if it's turned the wrong way and it worked <laughs> because hank shot a took a shot at him hank again trigger happy took a shot and barely missed a man's hand when he's turning the axe but the shot did make the creature let go of that, so it scared it enough. And it wasn't until daylight broke that the onslaught really stopped and the forest returned to silence. It seemed as though the mountain devils had returned from whence they came. Now, at this point, the men made their way outside the cabin to survey the area to see what had happened and everything. And of course, you could see the footprints and everything all around the cabin and everything because it was a rough night. Now, there, there is one thing that I didn't, when I was researching this, I, I found it a couple places, but I couldn't find it in the main story. Apparently, one of these things had ripped the top off the roof, like a part off the roof, and like got a hold of somebody and injured them, but I couldn't find that anywhere else. Now, when they were surveying the area, Beck saw one of the beasts standing on the ledge of the cannon about 80 yards away. I love how Beck has an impeccable sense of distance <laughs> this is about 75.6 yards away <laughs> that reminds me of my dad <laughs> that's true though but but richard does have an impeccable sense of distance <laughs> and so beck took aim with his rifle and he shot the fucker and it sent it falling about 400 feet down to the rocks below and this is where I, I kind of think they're sensible. As soon as it smacked the bottom, they were basically already in the vehicle to get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> and they just left all their shit there. They were gone. <laughs> and they didn't go look at it. It's like, well, that's done. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so they all agreed not to tell anybody what happened. They made a solid pack. We'll never tell nobody about this shit. Until Hank started telling everybody. (laughs) (laughs) This fucker Hank, man. This damn fucker Hank. If Hank wouldn't have started telling everybody about it, we would have never knew about it. So thank you, Hank, in a way. The story was hitting news like crazy. The first place that broke the story was the Oregon. Oregon in. I can't pronounce it. It's the newspaper in Oregon back then. And it, it began. Huh? I'm not seeing the name on here. I didn't put it on there. Maybe Oregonian? Oregonian. It was the name of it, yes. Oregonian. 
And so since this hit the papers and everybody was tripping out, you know, this began what was known as the Great Harry Ape Hunt of 1924. <laughs> Dude, imagine if something like that happened in London or Manchester. Everybody everybody and their brother would be there'd be thousands of people out in the woods with guns. And that's exactly what happened here. Apparently, in 1924, the majority of the world was just like Clay County, Kentucky. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? John apes, let's go kill these fuckers. And everybody just took out in their fucking vehicles and got out there. And so by, by, the, by all accounts, people were just flocking to their armed to the fucking teeth. Um, and they were trying to hunt down these creatures and there was even a big game hunter from England. I forget his name. I didn't take it down because it didn't matter much, but he's like, I'm going to get me one of them, you know? <laughs> and so he came out. There were so many trigger happy people in the area that they had to call out the law enforcement. They had to call all troops out to disperse everybody because I can only imagine that they were seconds away from some friendly fire erupting. <laughs> Could you imagine all them people out there shooting just at anything? <laughs> yeah. Especially people in camouflage and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> friendly fire would have definitely been an issue. Like that South Park episode. It's coming right at me. <laughs> but Beck, you know, he finally mustered up the strength to go back to his cabin when he returned to the cabin, he found it in shambles. Looked as though it had been ransacked. He found the large prints again all around it. But there was no sign of blood. And the body that he was shot down had disappeared. Well, if you think about like that story that we were talking about where uh, they had sent in a SEAL team or like a Green Beret force to take down a group of murderous Bigfoots. It took, they were firing like huge rounds and it took tons of rounds to take one of them down. So if you just got like a 223 or, you know, just a regular caliber bullet and you're only shooting once, it probably just jumped off there to get away. Probably, yeah. And you know, that's kind of the end of the story of the Battle of Ape Canyon. But Ape Canyon does have some crazy more occurrences, too. There's a case that we're not going to go over today. But it's a strange, it's a strange disappearance of a man named Jim Carter in Ape Canyon in 1950. Well, um, I forget which president exactly. It, made, it might have been Truman that created na national parks. Yeah, yeah, but national parks were allegedly created around areas where you know Native Americans for hundreds and hundreds of years have seen things like Bigfoot, um, Wendigos, uh, skinwalkers. That and it just ha so happens that all of these, um, you know, thousands of people a year go go missing. And nobody ever says anything about it. 
Yeah, and this this the this is parents of Carter. They think it's tied into the to the great ape attack of 1924. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, I mean, all around. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, hot spots of activity like this. Like, I would love. Don't... Yeah, I'd love to cover the missing 400 or whatever sometime about the national parks and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, what's your conclusion on this whole thing? What do you think this whole all was? Well, you have caves that don't make sense, and caves also tie into the national park thing. Like, apparently, there's a system of caves that that run all over America, and it just so happens that a lot of the entrances line up with national parks. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking that the eruption probably opened something up, like maybe maybe a cave system that these things were living in, and they were able to get out. Yeah, um, that's basically what I think. But I think that they live further down. And what's known as hollow earth. It could be. Yeah. Um, because, and, and of course, we all know that majorities of these long caves are entrances to hollow earth. Um, that's scientific fact. Have you been seeing these weird <laughs> pictures where people get on Google Maps and go to places and, and see, like, these entrances to hollow earth? No. I need to, though. That'd be cool. Yep, I'll send you some videos the next time I come across them. Can they see the other side? No, just the just the entrance. I want to see the other side. My fear is it'd be like the Kong versus Godzilla thing, where like you you have to have a special machine to do it because the gravity inverts. Well, maybe that's why they're telling us that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. The only other possibility is I don't know how it will work with hollow earth because it's either the gravity inverting and you're walking along the flat earth upside down or you fall and land somewhere. Well, couldn't it just be like, like a regular dissension i mean it don't have to be upside down it could just be regular side up and you just take the caves to get there yeah like it could be a honeycomb earth like pockets of inner earth you know yeah it could be yeah um that's my conclusion is that it's uh hollow earth related didn't uh the antarctica guy that got uh uh Properly silenced, didn't he say that it it was like honeycomb? Admiral Bird? Yeah, I think so. No, he flew into the entrance in Antarctica and um he just flew into it and apparently it was just a whole nother world under there. Yep, him him and his son both got got got. Admiral Bird? I think you're thinking of somebody else. Admiral Bird uh lived a pretty long time. I'll have to look. Yeah, you have to look that up. Um the rational thought behind this is that it was uh campers apparently there was a camp close and apparently people think the campers were throwing rocks at them from these cliffs 
Well, information is what I call that. I would say that that would have been possible, except for the part where they shot it and it jumped off a mountain. Unless they shot the camper. (laughs) Right. But what I'm saying, if if it was a human being from 80 yards away, yeah. If you were to put a gorilla and a human next to each other, you'd be able to tell the difference at 80 yards. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. So conclusions is this is hollow earth related and this was Bigfoot. <laughs> I would I would tend to agree. A swarm of big feet. So we have some exciting guests coming up soon. Uh we have Jeff from the haunted library and we're watching weird coming up next week uh the week after we're going to have beyond top secret texan with us that's going to be awesome and we also have jenny coming back don't we yep jenny is september 4th jenny ashford september 4th so if you notice we got a gap there where we need some guests (laughs) so if you want to be guests reach out to us through twitter at wearing the folk you can reach out to us through email at bipolar underscore teddy bear at outlook.com um we are still on audio only you can check us out on spotify you can find other platforms at anchor.fm slash wearing the folk and if you want to watch us on video and see our pretty faces you can watch us on bitshoot.com slash wearing the folk um I'm still putting stuff on YouTube, but that's going to be fading out very soon. Hopefully, we'll be getting on some other platforms soon. Uh, we just have to try to figure that out. And keep in mind to uh, check out everybody that we're affiliated with. There's so many people that we've had on that's great people with great content. We've got the uh, Weird Realities crew. We got martin shaw he wrote a book recently i can't wait to get that martin shaw from unexplained scotland that'll be good and of course caitlin from unbound underground um let's see vic ferrari he's wrote his fifth book it's out now on amazon um julie and them from enchanted trail seekers let's see jenny loves paranormal jenny love paranormal um she's been doing a lot of cool stuff recently i like all her content there's just so many people and isaac from durban paranormal um the alien scientist the alien scientist jeremy wrist which he he needs no introduction (laughs) (laughs) so so many people so many people um and of course uh lauren and everybody um we that's that's been the funnest thing about this hasn't it about starting this podcast is just meeting all these great people with all this great content and knowledge and everything yeah it's been awesome Uh, i'm trying to get some of some of the folks that we haven't talked to in a while back on just to get you know some updates and stuff later in the year we'll probably get martin um get some other folks back on that that haven't been on um abe yeah abe oh yeah i forgot about abe check out abe's front porch he's he's always putting out content um let's see oh yeah and anthony tyler yep and like i said he's got a book out that's awesome he said he's working on a second one too i can't wait to get that 
And let's see, David Reed, the Bass Master. (laughs) 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 If you need fishing tips, reach out to Reed. He knows all about it. Um, and, And his the way you pay Reed for his fishing tips is you actually message me and I'll tell you how to pay me and I'll get you the funds for it and I'll send you the tips. So just message me directly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you know where to find us on everything. Wearing the folk. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of wearing the folk. And thank you for watching us because we're watching you. (laughs) 